continuing and finishing well is what we're going to talk about this evening. Well, my little brother was a junior in high school. His football team was, uh, was supposed to be just okay. They had a lot of juniors that were starting. They were a, a big school in our state, and they pro- projected that his senior year they would be very good, which they were, but they thought his junior year they wouldn't be. And the first game of the year, they beat their arch rival, a much bigger high school that they'd never beaten in the history of the two schools. And they went on to win the next five games. They were 6-0 and after six games. They were ranked in the top three or four teams in the state. And then the bottom fell out. Then they lost the next three ball games. And the season ended poorly. They started strongly. They didn't continue or finish well. In Judges 8 tonight, we're wrapping up the story of Gideon. And I must confess to you, from studying Gideon as a kid and in Sunday school and never really preaching on this until this summer, I always thought Gideon remained a hero till the end. He did not. He did not continue or finish well. And this evening, what I want to challenge you and me from his life lessons is to wherever you are tonight, to pick it up with Jesus and continue and finish well until God takes you home. Let me give you several thoughts on this from Judges chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 22 and go through 35. Here's the first thing. Let your life and your words match up. Boy, isn't that a good thought? Let what you say and what you profess be the same. Let, let, let the words of your mouth and the, the direction of your feet be the same. You know, there's an old saying you've probably heard, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. How many of you have heard that before? That, I believe that's absolutely, no pun intended, true uh, for Gideon. In verse 22 and 23, it says, The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your son and your grandsons, because you have saved us uh, out of the hand of of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Is that not an awesome thing? I don't know uh, historically if this is accurate or not, but I believe George Washington was asked to be the king of the United States, and he said no. I want to tell you tonight, if I got that phone call, I'd have to pray about it. Wouldn't you? (laughs) <laughs> and and they, they said, Gideon, we want you to be our king. What a godly man. But he said, no. Listen, the Jewish people knew this was wrong. It was not God's will for them to have a king. Ironically, in my quiet time uh, last night, I was reading in 1 Samuel where God finally gave in and gave them a king because they were stubborn and they kept begging for a king. They didn't need a king. God wanted Israel to be a theocracy, not a democracy, not a, a monarchy. He wanted to be theos, th- that's God, him to be the one who ran the show. They had the tabernacle. They didn't have the temple at this time. But they knew the tabernacle was the portable temple, and in that was the mercy seat, and that was the throne of God. God was supposed to rule those people. What a noble thing. Amen. What a noble thing to turn down the kingship. Well, he turned it down, but he spent the rest of his life behaving like a king. In verse 24, but he said to them, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. He started taxing them immediately. Does that not sound like the government? It was the custom of the Ishmaelites, this is a little interesting tidbit here, to wear gold earrings. Now, the Ishmaelites, do you know who Ishmael was? 
Ishmael is the father of the modern Arabs. Isaac is the father of the modern Jewish people. They had the same daddy, remember? But Abraham and Sarah got a little impatient, and uh, Abraham had a fling with Hagar, and he had Ishmael, the father of the Arabs. And then uh, Isaac was born through uh, Sarah, the father of the Jewish people. And they started fighting about immediately after Isaac was born, and they've been fighting ever since. If you don't believe me, go home and watch the news tonight at 10 o'clock, and you will see that. He says, these Ishmaelites, he goes, give me a, one of their earrings. Now, men and women, uh, men wear earrings today too, uh, but very common back then, women wore them, men wore them. And so he said, I want you from the, the, the head you chopped off, people you killed, give me, give me some of your earrings. Now, let's look in verse 25 and 26. By the way, they decorated their camels with jewelry too. That was expensive, wasn't it? Men, you get your wife a necklace, and you got to get the camel a matching necklace. I mean, that's ridiculous. Verse 25 and 26, they answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out the garment, and each man threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, not, not counting these other things, the pendants and the purple garments, that's the color of royalty worn by the kings of Midian, are the chains that were on their camel's neck. Now, how, how much this, these earrings... That, 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 that shekel means nothing to you and me. You didn't go to Super One last week and said, okay, I want 50 shekels worth of little Debbies, did you? I mean, I bought some little Debbies, but I bought it in cash. Um, this was probably, I looked up the price of gold this week. This was probably equal to about 42 to 43 pounds of gold. Folks, if you have 43 pounds of gold, if you had that Monday and you cashed it in, that's right at $800,000 just in earrings that he had. See, he said, I don't want to be a king, but he taxed him immediately. He didn't want to be a king, but he immediately began to amass for himself a huge amount of wealth. Are you seeing a little contradiction here? Verse 27, Gideon made the gold into an ephod. We're going to talk more about this in a moment. Which he placed at, in Ophrah, his hometown. And all Israelite, the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And it became a, sma- a snare to Gideon and his family. Again, we'll see more of this in a moment. But guy who didn't want to be king, he taxes the people. He starts amassing a huge amount of wealth. And he takes a very important religious symbol of the Jewish people. And he, he makes it uh, uh, really an idol. And uh, he sets it up in his hometown. So people come to his hometown to worship at his shrine. He's seeing a problem here. It gets worse. Verse 28 through 31. Thus Midian was subdued because before the Israelites, and they did not raise its head again during Gideon's lifetime. That's real good. The land enjoyed peace 40 years. Jeroboam, that's Gideon, son of Joash, went back home to live. He had 70 sons. Some of you think, boy, my family's driving me crazy. 70 sons. Uh, and he had many wives. His concubine who lived in Shechem also bore him a son whom he named Abimelech. Okay. Kings in the Far East, in the ancient East in this time, had many wives and they had a lot of kids. Are you seeing some kingly behavior here? Now, folks, listen. I know you see this with David. You see it with Solomon. God's ideal from the beginning, go back to Genesis chapter 2. It's repeated in Matthew and Mark. It's one man, one man. And one woman, husband and wife, forever, hopefully, okay? That never changed. 
Multiple wives was never God's plan. A concubine, we'll see in a moment, is kind of like a spare wife on the side. This is interesting. His name is Abimelech. You know what Abimelech means? You, you probably don't know. It, the name means my father is a king. Isn't that interesting? Hey, I don't want to be your king, but one of my kids is going to be named my father is a king. Are y'all seeing a problem here or is it just me? Y'all give me blank looks. I've been gone too long. I've lost you. I've always thought multiple wives would be a good thing if they were in separate houses. Get in a fight with this one, you go to this one. You get in a fight with this one. Now, what would happen to me? They'd team up. They would. They'd get, you'd have to keep them separate. But here's why that was always a horrible idea. Economically, it's horrible. You, you, you can't take care emotionally of one woman and 70 sons alone. Think about that. With multiple, it's a terrible thing. You see, here's what, here's what Gideon did. Gideon said, I don't want to be king. Then he spent the rest of his life living like a stinking king. Now, this isn't blatant hypocrisy. It is hypocrisy, but we think of hypocrisy as someone that would condemn you for something and then go do it themselves. But this is subtle hypocrisy. In fact, this is the kind of hypocrisy most of us are guilty of. We, we say certain things, but our lives don't match up. I love Jesus, but I never come to church. Man, I believe the Bible. I'll fight you about the Bible. I just don't read it or live it out. Amen? I, uh, Jesus Christ is my Lord, my boss, but I live my life my way. Don't tell me what to do. We're just like Gideon, aren't we? Man, I'm for you. I'm with you. And then we stick people in the back. First opportunity we get. Someone shared this with me years ago. I think it's so great. Who we are often shouts so loud people can't hear what we say. Who we are often shouts so loud people can't hear what we say. You want to continue well with God. You want to finish well with God. Let your life and your words match up. Friend, I want to tell you in the society we live in today, people are not going to listen to you if they don't see it real in your life first. Don't say you don't want to be king and live like a king. Here's the second thing. Worship God alone. You're worshiping something tonight. Verse 27, little verse here. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. You, do you see a huge problem there? And it became a snare to Gideon and his family. The ephod was an extremely important religious sacred item. You go back to Exodus, it was a special vest with gold woven into it that God said the priest, the priest wore this. The priest wore this, and they put these two stones called the Urim and the Thumb, and in the, in, this is weird, in the breast pockets, and they would seek God, and that God, this is before the Holy Spirit lived in every individual person. This is how God gave his direction. I know that's weird, but that's facts. This is a wonderful piece of spiritual, uh, 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 it is a wonderful spiritual garment. But Gideon takes, Gideon's not a priest. Gideon's not supposed to take this 
and start practicing what the priests, maybe the priests were corrupt, maybe they were almost unknown at this time, but it wasn't Gideon's job to take it in his hands to be this. And apparently, folks, we don't know if it was a literal vest or he made a, a, like a type of this vest. It was out of gold and maybe it was a statue and they worshipped it. How many of you, without me explaining this, any father realize something's horribly wrong? Folks, let me tell you something. One thing should be worship, and that is God alone. Man, the Bible is the Word of God, but I want to tell you, if somebody bronzes this Bible and puts it here at this altar, don't you bow your knee to it. You bow your knee to Jesus Christ. And see, what Gideon, who had been so strong with God, where he blows it, he doesn't continue well, he doesn't finish well, is he starts worshiping something besides the true God. We get confused on worship. What's worship? Well, it's singing a hymn. No, it's singing a chorus. It's a piano. No, it's a guitar. It can be all of those. It can be none of those. Here's what worship is. Worship, by definition, means that you bow yourself down. It's to prostrate yourself down. It's surrender and submission. You can sing and not worship. You can preach and not worship. Worship is bowing yourself down and submitting to something. That one of the best definitions of biblical worship is a picture of a dog licking its master's hand. Folks, that is submissive and humble. <laughs> what do you worship? I'll tell you, a lot of Christians, we don't, we don't worship God. We worship things about God like Gideon was doing. We worship a building. Man, I love this building, but if the building's blown down tomorrow, we will meet somewhere on Sunday. Some people worship a carpet. You could pull up a carpet and put a different color in in some churches and people would leave. (laughs) We worship programs. Well, we started this in 1932. And we got to do this. The only thing that should get your worship is God Almighty. Don't, listen, religious people, don't start worshiping the things of God. Worship God. Gideon blew it when he stopped worshiping God. Well, I'm worshiping the ephod, the priest high vest where we learn the will of God. No, you worship God. You and me continue and finish well. Worship God alone. Here's number three. Obey God until he takes you home. That may be tomorrow night. That may be a hundred years from now. Gideon did not do this. Verse 30 and 31. He had 70 sons of his own, for he had many wives. His concubine who lived in Shechem also bore him a son whom he named Abimelech. We saw that in just, uh, just a second ago. Never God's will to have multiple women. Kings did. Rich people did. Wasn't God's will. Concubine, a woman on the side. Wasn't God's will. Kind of a secondary wife, really for political or sexual purposes is what it was. She was from Shechem, it said. That may have been he had a political connection there. You see, this guy that obeyed God, that stepped out in faith, that that did so much awesome or so many awesome things, later in his life, he stopped paying attention to the details of obedience. 
And I wonder at night if Gideon patted himself on the back and talked about how he used to obey God. Let me tell you where some of us, the trap we're falling in now, is we are living in the past victory of our obedience. Man, I obeyed God at that youth conference five years ago. I obeyed God in the 40s and 50s and 60s. That means I get to coast till he takes me home. We think that obeying God is that big thing. And it may be ice is cutting your head off. That big thing, that person that gives a million dollars to the building fund or to the pastor study leave next summer. (laughs) But folks, most of the time, obedience is found in the mundane. If you can write a million dollar check, you do it. Most of us, it's going to be tithing every week. You may die for Christ. Most of it's just going to be the harder thing of living for Christ day in and day out. Amen? I don't want to be put on a rack and stretched to death, but getting your head chopped off would be easier in some ways than having to live for 50 years under persecution. Some of you are saying, man, I served God in the past. I used to do this. I used to do that. You're living off the past obedience and the past glory. Folks, God is looking at today, tomorrow, and and the, and the days ahead. Keep obeying God until he takes you home. Remember, Christian life is a marathon, not a sprint. Not that I will ever run a marathon. I know what it is, though. It's 26.2 miles. I can run out of this building if it's on fire. If I got to go 26.2, it's going to take a few days. But I understand the difference. Your Christian life's a marathon. You continue to obey God until he takes you home. Don't live on your past victories, friends. Let me give you the fourth thing to remember. You're leaving a legacy. How do you continue and end well? You never forget your life matters. You're leaving a footprint of some sort. Verse 33 and 34, this is sad. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal-bereth as their God and did not remember the Lord their God. They did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Wow. They took Gideon to the family tomb, probably a cave, like they buried Jesus in. That was the custom. Put him in there with his family. They buried him. Not just as soon as that stone was put over the grave, it seemed like the people started worshiping false gods again. Why shouldn't they? What example had Gideon left them in the last years of his life? Wasn't a good one. We're going to see next week a failure of uh, parental uh, discipleship, example, You're leaving a legacy. It may be good, it may be bad, but you are. Stephen Covey is the great writer of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of of those seven habits was that great people begin with the end in mind. Someone said that you should live your life backwards, that you're not living in the past, but you're always thinking about how do I want to be remembered? What legacy do I want to leave? What footprint do I want to leave behind me? Listen, you are leaving one. You're leaving a good one or a bad one. You're going to leave one uh, with the money you leave behind, with the, the love you've left behind, with the blessings you left behind. 
I got a quote for you on the screen. I, I didn't, I, I don't remember where I heard this. It was years ago, but it's so good. I wish Gideon would have done, the, done this. Always remember where you've came from. Where did you come from? Always remember who you belong to and where you're going. Do you remember about God saving you, about God changing you? Remember where you came from. Remember who you belong to and remember where you're going. Man, I wish Gideon would have done that. You're leaving a legacy. Never let that lose your, leave your mind. You're leaving a legacy. And here's the last one. Remember and honor those who bless you. This chapter ends as sad as this section began. About remembering those who had blessed them. How many of you are beginning to struggle with your memory a little bit? When my mama started taking a pill for memory a few years ago, Cindy asked her, what, what was the name of the pill? And she said, I don't remember. That's the truth. We had to laugh to keep from crying. Y'all don't know this, but Wayne just went to his 60th high school reunion. He looks great to be 88. But Wayne was telling me they have a place down there in Sulphur where they eat. It's called the Hungry Heifer. And he said at their 20th reunion, they're 38 years old. They said, no, Wayne didn't say this, but the other men said, let's go to the Hungry Heifer. The waitresses are good looking. See, young men have that kind of mindset. We know that. We the Christians, we try to look away from it, but we know it's there. They met again at 10 years, 30th reunion, 48, and they said, let's go to the Hungry Heifer. The, the menu's great. The prices are good. This air conditioning's happy. They went to the Hungry Heifer. They met again for their 40th reunion. They said, why don't we go to the Hungry Heifer? Man, you can get in and out of there quick. It's, it's, a, you know, it's a nice place. It's a smoke-free environment. They met again for their 50th reunion. They said, let's go to the Hungry Heifer because the bathrooms are good. It's easy, accessible. We can get our walkers in and out of there. You know, It's easy. Then they met again this last year for the 60th reunion. One of them said, let's go to the Hungry Heifer. We've never eaten there before. And, and they went to the Hungry Heifer. Memory's a terrible thing to lose. Verse, verse 35, they failed to show kindness to the family of Jeroboam. That is Gideon for all the good things he had done for them. Jump back to verse 28 with me. Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land enjoyed peace for 40 years. Here's a dude that God raised up and used when the Midianites were beating them down so bad that they couldn't do anything. And God used this guy to rescue these people, and they had peace for 40 years. And he was not even in the grave a little while when the people already had forgot his legacy. Now, he had damaged it, there's no question. But I think that verse 35 is in the Bible to say, my goodness, how ungrateful, ungrateful that they were. Let me tell you something. A memory is a bad thing to lose. I'll tell you something worse. To intentionally not remember and honor those who bless you is sinful. Romans chapter 1 and 2. Romans 1 and 2 are some chapters you need to read right now, this time in American history. Romans chapter 1 deals pretty strongly tough on some moral issues and Christians 
rightly are reading that and, 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 and lifting that up. But I want to tell you, there's a subtle thing in Romans 1 when it's talking about homosexuality and immorality and all these things. It talks about an uh, ungrateful heart. Isn't that interesting? I want to tell you, a heart that doesn't honor God and honor other people that bless you is a sinful heart. And you want to finish well. Man, you want to continue well. You remember how God and other people have blessed you. Don't let it leave your mind and your heart. You got a choice this evening. You got a choice this evening to finish well, to continue well, and to finish well. God gave us a sad example of Gideon. You can correct it in your life. Here's what I want you to do we believe it all flows back to Jesus. You're here tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. When we stand, you come in a moment. We'll help you. We'll help you come to Christ tonight. You're here tonight and you're looking for a church family. You need a church family to help you on this journey. One way you can join us is when we stand, you come. We'll be down here waiting on you. We'd love for you to join tonight. Christian, listen to me. I know you're putting up your purses, your Bibles, your iPhones, your cell phones, your iPads, and your earrings from the sermon tonight about earrings. Christian, maybe where you're standing or maybe with a minister, maybe at the altar tonight, you need to repent. Maybe you're doing okay, but you need to make a commitment with the help of God. You are going to continue, not perfectly, but well. And you're going to finish, not perfectly, but well, until Jesus brings you home. Let's stand. Let's make the right choices tonight.